0: You know, as I look back at this series on the Holy Spirit, uh, I have one regret. And that regret is that I'm not Scottish. I don't know if you've ever see, heard a Scottish person say the word Holy Spirit. It sounds so majestic, so so spiritual. I, when I was growing up and I started dating Carolyn, I would attend the church that her and her parents went to. And there was an older family there. And he would get up from time to time and share. And we always listened closely because of that Scottish accent. But, man, when he got up there and he talked about the Holy Spirit, it was just beautiful. But in all uh, seriousness, I hope you've been blessed as we've opened God's Word that the Holy Spirit inspired and, and learned about this third member of the Trinity that we often ignore or, or misunderstand. He's so vital to our lives, and I hope we're getting a taste of that. You remember, we used the verse in Corinthians uh, to sum up the outline of our series. It was uh, right in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It said, God anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts. And we said we were going to use that word put to outline our series. So we talked first about the power of that he brings into our lives. And then we talked about the unity that he brings into our lives. And tonight we're going to talk about the truth that he brings into our lives. And if you open your eyes out there in our world, there's a lot of conversation about truth. It finds its way even into the NBA. Anybody been watching the NBA playoffs? Last night the Celtics played the Heat game seven. They've got a player named Paul Pierce. You know what his nickname is? the truth. And he got that nickname back in 2001 from Shaquille O'Neal. Everybody knows Shaquille, right? They, the Celtics had just played the Lakers and Paul Pierce dropped 42 points on them. And Shaquille O'Neal on the Lakers at that time grabbed a reporter and he said, hey, write this down and don't leave nothing out. i quote it. He said, my name is Shaquille O'Neal and Paul Pierce is the blankety blank truth. Quote me on that and don't take nothing out. Now we left... Something out. We left the blankety blank out because our services are usually PG 13 or better. But what did he mean when he said Paul Pierce is the truth? He meant he's the real deal. You can count on him. When you throw him the ball and he takes that shot, his team can count on him. One of the, the most famous lines ever in movie history, if I'll take you down memory lane for a second, had to do with truth about 20 years ago. You remember this? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Everybody remembers that, right? Hard to believe that was 20 years ago. 1992. But A lot of people today when they talk about truth, they say truth is relative. And what they mean by that is my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth. But the Christian rapper Lecrae actually had a song called Truth last year, and he asked the question, what if my truth says your truth is wrong? What do we do then? Other people say it this way, there is no such thing as absolute truth. You hear that statement, what you ask is, was that absolutely true? There's an irony in this truth thing. We're all looking for something to hold on to. Something to fill up those deepest needs in our lives. But much of the world doesn't want that something to be too rigid or too firm. But the irony is if it's not firm, it's not going to meet those deepest needs in our lives. It's not going to meet that, that, fill that hole that we have. That's why when you look at the Bible, you look at God's Word you're introduced to a God who not only speaks truth, a God who's not only the source of truth, but a God who is absolute truth. All through the Bible, the prophet Jeremiah said, the Lord is the true God. That was in Jeremiah 10.10. The psalmist in Psalm 119.60 said, all your words are true. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Then at the end of his ministry on earth, when it came time for him to go to the cross, and die, and rise again, and ascend to heaven, he looked at those ones that he had spent three years with, night and day, every moment of every day. And he's explaining to them what's going to happen, and you can imagine what's going on in their hearts. Our Lord, our our closest friend, is leaving. Probably felt like they were about to be orphaned, and Jesus knew that. So he said to them in John chapter 14, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of Truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Jesus calls him the spirit of truth. And they're probably wondering, okay, what is this spirit of truth going to do? How's he going to help us? And Jesus says later in the same chapter, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. I promise was for those early disciples and it's for those who trust in Jesus today. And I think if you're like me, if you read the Bible closely, you're looking at those phrases and you're saying all things. Wait a second here. There's, there's some things I don't know. Okay, if we're honest, even if we have the Holy Spirit. And I'll give you just a list and these things get progressively more challenging. Here's some things I don't know. Like, I have no idea how to solve the world's hunger problem. I know what I can do to help it, but I don't know how to solve the whole thing. I don't understand quantum physics. And after 15 years, I still don't fully grasp this mysterious woman named Carolyn that I've been married to. How, why does it say all things? What, what is he talking about when he talks about all things? Well, he says right there, part of it is the things that Jesus said to them and the things that we read that he said to them. The Holy Spirit helps us wrap our minds around what Jesus said. But I want to show you something else in 1 Corinthians because Paul talks a lot about the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.9, some of you guys know this verse. It's a quote from the Old Testament. It says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And I wonder if you've ever read that verse with some resignation, kind of saying, yeah, I guess that's true. I'm kind of bummed out because God is, God is higher, as Isaiah said. His ways are higher than my ways. So it makes sense that my mind can't conceive that, that my ear hasn't heard it, all that. But sometimes I fear we stop at that verse and we miss an awesome promise, We just read that verse, but listen to what it says after that, and read it with me. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. We should never stop at verse 9 and say, oh, well, I guess, you know, some some even have gone as far in Christian circles to say it's arrogant to say we know much about God. That all we can do is wrestle with our questions as human beings. If we say we have answers, we're arrogant. And I would agree with that if the Bible stopped at verse 9. But it doesn't stop at verse 9. It says, God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. And what is it that He's revealed What God has prepared for those who love Him. So all of a sudden, when we think about life's heavy questions, we can say, whoa, I can know the answers to those big questions. Like, why am I here on this planet at this time? What is God's will for me? Who am I in Christ? And what do I have to look forward to in eternity? How should that shape how I live today? We can know all those things... Because God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. I like that last line. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Now, I think God, and I just think deep. I think God is deep, but evidently there are some parts of God that are deeper than other parts. And here it says the Spirit searches all of them, even the deep parts of God. This is the spirit that lives in those of us who trust in Jesus. It was Charles Stanley that compared the Holy Spirit to a scuba diver. And he compared Christians to people on a boat. And from the surface of the boat, as you look out at the ocean surface, you can't see all the treasure that's down there. Maybe you're above a sunken ship. All you see is the surface of the water and the sun reflecting off of it. But the scuba diver, what's he do? He dives down into that ocean, into the depths, and he brings up treasures, and he brings them to light. He brings them to the ship where everyone on that ship can see them. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us in our relationship with God. Those things that that we can't wrap our minds around, those deep things. He goes and gets them and says, here child of God. This is what I want you to know about your father. I want to show you another verse. Is, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. I think too many of us, as Christians, have bought into a lie that we sort of have to survive and, and just barely limp through this life until we get to heaven, and then we'll have victory. But for now, I'm destined to give in to temptation. I'm destined to defeat. I'm destined to bang in my head against the same wall over and over and over again. That's not what Paul says. He says God has given us everything we need for life. And remember what kind of life Jesus said he came to give? Not just any life. Remember? Abundant life. That's life to the max. And godliness, the ability to say no to sin and yes to what God has for us. Through what? How do we get that? Through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. It's through our knowledge of God. And who do we just learn gives us that knowledge? The Holy Spirit. This ought to pump us up, guys. we got everything we need for life and godliness. There's nobody in here that believes in Jesus that is lacking a thing for life and godliness because of the Holy Spirit. Some of you guys are practical and you're saying, okay, great. This is all very theoretical right now. How does he do this? How does the Holy Spirit give us everything we need for life and godliness? How does he lead us in the truth? I'm going to tell you four ways. The first way is he leads us in the truth of God's Word. Leads us in the truth of God's Word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed. I wonder how many times we've picked this up and neglected to acknowledge that. God breathed these words that you and I get to pick up and read. You probably got 20 copies if you're like me on a shelf in your house. God breathed these words. And you remember we said a couple weeks ago, remember the Greek word for spirit? Pneuma. And that sounded like pneumatic tools. Pneumatic tools run on air. That's because that word pneuma, which is here translated breath, it can be air, breath, spirit. God's given us a hint here that he breathed the word, but the Spirit had something to do with that. The Spirit had something to do with this word being written down. And Peter gets more specific. Look at what Peter says. He says, He must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God... Say this last part with me. As they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Men were carried along by the Holy Spirit and they wrote the words of Scripture. He used their personalities, their experiences. But the Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture along with those men. I had an interesting conversation in my office one time. I had a lady come up to me, and some of you may have heard this story. It was one of those head-scratching conversations. She came in, and she looked very perturbed. And I was a little bit nervous. I don't like those kind of meetings. I just preached on Sunday, and she said, I want to talk to you about your message. And I could tell it wasn't going to be a, hey, that was a good message. So she sat down, and she said, I've got a real problem with with the message you preached on Sunday. And I said, "What what was it? And she said, well, I feel like you used the Bible so much that you totally ignored the Holy Spirit. And I want you to think through. <laughs> You're in my chair there. Based on what we've talked about here tonight, what would you tell her? <laughs> he wrote it. Yeah, he is the source of it. Saying that it, it, it bothers him that I talk too much about the Word is, is like saying that it would bother Steven Spielberg if I talked for a while about how much I love Star Wars. You know what I'm saying? That, that probably makes Steven Spielberg's day that millions of people love what he created. It makes the Spirit's day when we love what he wrote in God's Word. I told her that, and then she went on to tell me how she believed the Holy Spirit lived in all people, not just those who believe in Jesus Christ. And I realized we had a lot more to talk about because she didn't believe what this says. My Bible says those who believe in Christ have the Holy Spirit. So all of a sudden the issue got, got bigger. So he wrote the Word, but here's the flip side. He helps us understand it when we sit down to read it. He helps us get what we're reading, and he helps us apply it to what we're going through. Let's go to another verse here, Andrew. Who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? That's a great question, and it's true, right? You and I could hang out for like two weeks, and I could hide what's really going on inside of me for two whole weeks if I wanted to. You know, if I was going through a hard time, I could pretend like everything was fine. You could do the same thing. You could hide the deepest parts of you, and I'd never really know what's going on inside your spirit. That's a very true question that Paul says. But it's the same with God. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. But here's the cool part. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand What God has freely given us. Without God's Spirit, we can't understand this. But because the Spirit knows the deep thoughts of God, knows God because He is God, we can. He goes on. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths and spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. Have you ever had that experience? Where you share something so meaningful to you as a Christian with a family member or a friend that's not a Christian, and they look at you like, "Man, you're crazy." <laughs> it's only when the Holy Spirit turns the lights on for them, comes into their lives, that they get it. For their foolishness to Him, and He cannot understand them because they're spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things. And we hear judgment and we get scared because we don't want to judge people. He's talking about discernment. The person with the Spirit has discernment as he goes through life. He knows how to apply. She knows how to apply what she reads in Scripture to the decisions she's facing. Jesus said, the Spirit teaches us all things, remember? And I thought about this teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit, how he helps us understand God's Word. I thought about how we all have our favorite speakers in the Christian world. And this is good because God gives the gift of teaching. One of my favorites, and I know Jim and probably a few others, Francis Chan's out there. Preaching the Word of God. Bill, I know you just read his book. Got a quote I'm going to borrow from it at the end that you told me about. Great teacher. I don't know if yours is David Jeremiah, Charles Stanley, Charles Swindoll. Mark Driscoll, there are many great teachers of the Word of God. And I think about how excited we get when they come to Phoenix or if they come to Prescott. And how sometimes we even round up 20 of our friends and we say, hey, let's go check this out. Let's go hear what God wants to say to us through Him. And we even change our schedules to make it work. And that's good because God uses these men. Now I wonder, what would happen... If you got on Facebook or you got, got an email and said, Hey, the Holy Spirit is coming to Phoenix. He's going to teach for three hours on the Word of God. I'm sure that place would be packed, right? It would be filled to the gills. and They'd probably have to do it all year long because everybody wants to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. But then I back up and say, Wait a second. Every time I sit down with God's Word, He is there. He is ready to teach me. And I wonder if I'm ex- as excited about that time in God's Word. I'll spend four hours listening to Francis Chan, but I can't spend five minutes in here? What's going on? Am I, am I, am I an idolater maybe? Because I'm putting these men above the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit? who's with me every time I sit down with my Bible? Why am I not more excited to say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to show me from the word that you wrote? You know, the truth is, even when he uses teachers out there, it's the gift that he gave them. It's the gift that he gave them. And if you talk to any of the godly teachers out there, they don't want the glory. They wanted to go to him. This is a quote from the book Bill told told me about Forgotten God, about the Holy Spirit, Francis Chan. He talks about wanting God to get the glory in his gatherings when he teaches. He's talking about this Prophets of Baal story about Elijah. He says, my favorite part of that story comes when it's all over and the Prophets of Baal are saying, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, He is God. They didn't say Elijah is a great speaker or Elijah sure knows how to connect with God. They were stunned by God, they were in awe of His power. They knew that what they experienced could not have been manipulated by Elijah. They experienced the power of God. Is that what happens at the Christian gatherings you attend? People ought to see the transformation in our lives and respond by saying, The Lord, He is God. So I close this section about the Word just by saying, Do we appreciate what we have in our hands? The Word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. And are we excited to sit down with the Holy Spirit and say, Teach me what this means. Show me what this looks like. In my life. The next one. He leads us in the truth of what we should pray. And I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but Ryan Seacrest is evidently a praying man. (laughs) I don't know that that's Ryan Seacrest or not. I got that off the internet. But if it is, chances are it's been cropped and he's actually praying to an idol of American origins. Okay. All right. Some of you are with me. Some of you are sleeping get back to the Bible quick <laughs> alright Romans 8 says the spirit helps us in our weakness we do not know what we ought to pray for but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express I wonder if you've ever been at that moment where you're so tired so overwhelmed that you sat down to pray so worn down and you didn't even know what to pray You just knew you needed to. That's why it uses the word weakness in there. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Some of us may be there tonight. You feel weak because of what's been going on in your life. And It's at moments like that when we don't know how to pray that the Holy Spirit says, I got this. You know what it says? It says he communicates to the Father for us. That's what it means he intercedes for us. He, he talks to the Father on our behalf. That'll blow our minds. But he says he does it with groans that words cannot express. And if you're like me, sometimes when you pray to God, you groan. When you're in the middle of a trial or something, you sit down and say, Oh, God. God, I need you. I need you so much right now. If you don't show up here, I am dying here. You ever been there? we are totally desperate. But this is not talking about our groans. This is talking about the Spirit has His own groans that He communicates to the Father. And I don't think we hear these. I think this is going on in the spiritual realm. But the deal is, we may not know what all of our groans mean or what we ought to pray, but when the Spirit groans, the Father knows exactly what the Spirit is thinking and what the Spirit wants. You know how we, we know that? says right there, he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit. So the spirit groans on our behalf. The father knows what's going on in his mind. And what is it that's going on in the spirit's mind? What's he thinking? What's he asking for for us? He's asking exactly what the father wants for us. That's why it says he does that in accordance with God's will. And the father always answers the spirit. That's a great thing. they got such a perfect relationship. When the Spirit asks, the Father answers. And I wonder how many of us ever worry about missing God's will for our lives. Am I I missing it? I I want what God wants. Am I somehow going to miss it? And what I read here is, guess what? The Trinity's got that covered. (laughs) They got that covered. Our part is not to know every detail of God's will for our lives. Our part is simply to follow what the Spirit leads us in because he does know. And when he asks the Father, the Father says, okay. And I think about this whole conversation between the Holy Spirit and the Father. The topic is you as a child of God. And some people spend their whole lives looking to get their name on a billboard or in a newspaper or on the Internet to be famous. Just get my name out there. We don't have to strive for that because your name as a child of God has been spoken within the Trinity. Jim, can you imagine the Holy Spirit talking to the Father? Hey, Jim is going through some stuff. And the Father says, okay, I'll give Jim what he needs. Carmine, Kendra, I go around the room. Your name has been on the lips of the Trinity. If you believe in Jesus Christ, it even says in Hebrews, he's interceding for you too how much you must be loved, how special you must be. If that doesn't make you feel valued, nothing on this earth ever will. Nothing else will satisfy that need to be valued. Now, sometimes I think we're totally unaware of this process. Like I said, the the spirit groans and we don't know what he's requesting of God and he's just taking care of it for us. I think other times it comes to the surface and he lets us know This is how you need to pray right now. This is what you need to pray. I've had this happen while I'm out working. I'll I'll get this sudden burden to pray for Carolyn. She's at home with the two boys. And I'll say something like, Lord, give her strength. I know having a six-year-old and a three-year-old can make you tired. You can run out of ideas. And sometimes they get out of sorts. Give her strength and give her joy. And there have been multiple times where I get home and she'll say, did you pray, at me, pray for me around lunchtime? And I say, yeah, I did. And she'll say, I was wondering because the morning was horrible. <laughs> I mean, the kids were all over the place. I didn't know what to do. But then right around lunchtime, all of a sudden I had this peace and this joy. And we, we just had an awesome afternoon. That was the Spirit telling me, you need to pray for your wife right now. Another example some of you guys have heard, when it was time for me to step out of the heights and into this new chapter of ministry, my friend Britt in California, the same weekend I had said yes to God at a conference in Texas. He's in California, and I got a message that he left the day I went to the conference. He's making toast for breakfast, and he calls me and says, hey, I'm praying for you. So I call him back after I made this decision to take this step, and and he says, hey, I just want to to let you know that uh, I was praying for you. And I called him and told, just said, what, what were you uh, praying about? And he said, oh, I was just making toast or whatever. I never think about you, man. It's been about two years since we even saw each other. <laughs> but he said, I just feel led, felt led that day to pray that God will give you the faith to step out and do whatever he's calling you to do. <laughs> so I said, I got to tell you about this weekend, man. And we were both standing in awe that God, the Holy Spirit, knew what was going on. He knew I needed that confirmation. He knew I needed those prayers. You guys know this. Some of you felt that burden. And I wonder are we sensitive to the Holy Spirit as we pray? Are we listening? Are we following? And are you encouraged that even when you don't know what to pray, He does? Does that just lift you up? He's, he's praying the Father's will for you and the Father's saying, okay. That ought to bless your heart. Next one, he leads us in the truth of what we should say and do. Romans eight fourteen. You see the crossroads. A lot of our lives are filled with crossroads, decisions, right? Romans eight fourteen says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Paul uses a special word for lead there. It's not the idea that the Holy Spirit is some kind of caveman that bashes us on the head like the caveman bashes his wife on the head and drags her by the hair and says, Come with me. It's the word used for persuade or to talk into. And this ought to cause us to pause for a moment because the Holy Spirit does not force you and I as God's children to follow him. He will impress on our hearts the truth of the way we need to go, the decision we need to make, and then he leaves it up to us if we will say, yes, I'm with you, or no, I'm not. The big question is, am I willing to be led when I'm at those crossroads in my life? That's the biggest question, not all the details. I know that's where our mind goes. The big question is, are you really saying yes to what he wants, no matter what it means? He'll he'll handle the details. So he helps us with what you should say. Look at Mark 13, 11. Whenever you're arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. All you young guys in the back and in the sound booth, this does not mean when you get that ticket for going 70 on Glassford Hill, that you can go into court and be like, that's okay. Holy Spirit, help me know what to say so I can get out of this ticket. That's not what this is talking about, so don't don't even think about it. <laughs> he's not a sneaky lawyer. Okay, what this is talking about was at the time men were being brought before the courts because they were witnessing in the name of Jesus. That's the primary reason the Holy Spirit came, to give us power to witness, right? And he's saying if that happens, if you get persecuted for the name of Jesus, or I'll go a step further, even if you're talking to someone about Jesus, the Holy Spirit will lead you. And what you need to say. And when you need to say it. He takes care of that for us. We can rest in that. And that's better than any evangelism program out there. Follow the Spirit's lead. Be sensitive. And when he says, speak to this person in the name of Jesus. Say, okay. I'm counting on you. Here we go. He talks about what you should do. This verse in Acts... The Apostle Paul, I love this. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Check this out. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Two times the Holy Spirit said, don't go this way. You're not going here. We don't know exactly how, whether it was prompting or circumstances, but he kept them from going one way. Now check this out. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding, check this out, that God had called us to preach the Gospel to them, Holy Spirit closed two doors, made it evident to Paul that this is where I want you to preach the gospel, and i don 't want to get caught up in a big debate about about how this happened and whatnot. I just want to say the Holy Spirit has the ability to lead you and I where we should go and where we should not go. Do we believe that and what we should say while we 're there? One example of this from my own life a couple years ago, coffee house sitting in there at Method, working on a sermon about marriage. Song of Solomon. I could have chosen any coffee shop. I'm working on Song of Solomon. And while I'm working on it, I see a, a husband that I know come into the coffee shop with a woman that was not his wife. And they sat down and they're, they're looking at a book, talking, laughing. And, and I walked over and said, hey, how's it going? And he says, hey, just we're in a college class and we're reading. And, and I go back to work on my sermon about marriage. And the Holy Spirit, you guys, if you 've experienced this, you know what I 'm talking about it's not an audible voice, but you know he's prompting you, go explore further. there's something not right here, and I blew it off. I was just like, you know I already asked him that's why I asked him the first time that 's why I said hi to see if anything fishy was going on. Holy Spirit keeps go ask again. I ignored it. Fast forward three or four months to Christmas time. I get a call Christmas day we're celebrating. And it's this man's wife. And she tells me in tears that he's having an affair. Over the next weeks, we start to meet. We, we rewind the, the history. That day I was at the coffee shop with when he was there with that lady. That was the first time he met had a date with the lady that he had the affair with. And I look back and said, I'm sorry, God. I don't take credit for what this man did. But I do take credit for not following that prompting of the Holy Spirit to ask, what's going on here? Why are you here with a woman that's not your wife? And I pray that I never find myself saying no like that again. I pray you don't find yourself in that circumstance where you say no. But you say, how does he do this? Well, I think he does it a number of ways. Sometimes he speaks through other believers. That's why Proverbs says, get much counsel. Uh, Sometimes he speaks through circumstances. He closes doors and opens doors. Sometimes there's an inner peace when we think about a decision. And we we think about one way and there's this peace about it. We think about another way and we get sort of stirred up and, and worked up. The biggest thing is he never contradicts God's word. If anything you think the Holy Spirit is leading you in goes against what you know to be clear in his word, it's not the Holy Spirit maybe a spirit but it ain't a holy one <laughs> For example the holy spirit will never come to you in your marriage and say you know what God wants you to be happy he wouldn't want you to have to to just be miserable all the time so it's okay if you go fool around a little bit it's just a one one night stand with that other lady he knows you need some relief he knows you need some fun just it's okay god wants you to be happy he doesn't that's not the holy spirit Okay, Because, you know, the Holy Spirit said, do not look lustfully after a woman because if you do, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. He would not tell you to do that. It's not the Holy Spirit that that leads you to say, hey, maybe I should call in sick at work even though I'm not sick so I could go to the Chris Tomlin concert and worship God. (laughs) Great idea, right? Yeah, so the Holy Spirit who says, thou shalt not lie is going to tell you to lie so you can go to a Chris Tomlin concert. No, you can know that's not the Holy Spirit. Or you're doing your taxes and and you get this this thought in your head, hey, I know this isn't quite honest, but if I did it, not only could I get a lot for me, but I could also give a lot more to the church. That must be the Holy Spirit. Wrong. The Holy Spirit said you shall not steal. You don't have to wonder if that's the Holy Spirit. Okay, get my point? (laughs) See, some of you smiling. But that's how our minds go sometimes. We like to rationalize. we got to be careful. Last one. Let's be short. He leads us in the truth of who we really are. You did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, or Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. There's this inner dialogue that goes on between the Holy Spirit and our own spirit when we've trusted in Jesus that says, you are God's child. And this becomes most important when we fall because we all fall and we know what guilt is like. And we know how the enemy comes and says, God cannot possibly love someone like you. Obviously, whatever you say was putting your trust in God wasn't real. Because one of God's children would not do that. You know the thought process, and it's at those moments when the Holy Spirit comes along and says, that's a lie. You are God's child. Here's where we got to be careful. When we become aware of a sin in our lives, we somehow think foolishly that we can hide it from God. We think we can just keep going on without confessing it, God's omniscient, people. <laughs> he knows everything we've done. What we end up doing is sabotaging ourselves because as long as we hold on to that unconfessed sin, He still loves us, but it becomes very difficult for us to know that because we're hiding from Him. Just like Adam and Eve were hiding in the garden when He came and said, Where are you? Where are you? What we've got to do is come out of hiding and say, God, I was wrong. I confess that. And then all of a sudden, what we'll see is that assurance Becomes a reality in our hearts again. Last thing, as we wrap up this series, you say, All right, we talked about power, unity, and truth. What's the big thing I want to carry away from this? And for me, it's the idea that if you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are not alone. You're not alone. Jesus said, I'll ask the Father, and He'll give you another helper. Last part of John 14, verse 18 says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I want to look at that word helper just real briefly as we close. It's been translated a bunch of different ways. Counselor, encourager, advocate, comforter. And I think God gave us such a big word on purpose. Because the Holy Spirit is all those things. It comes from the word paraclete which means called to one side. And that's who the Holy Spirit is. He's one who's been called along your side in your Christian walk. Charles Stanley said this. He said, God would not have sent a helper if you didn't need one. So it's foolish to start your, your Christian life by faith and then to spend the rest of your Christian life trying to get it done in your own power. The the answer to this Holy Spirit series isn't to go out of here and grit our teeth and try harder. The answer is total dependence and total surrender to the Holy Spirit. Let him be the helper he's meant to be. Lord, we thank you. You know exactly what we need. We thank you for sending the Holy Spirit, the helper, the one who comes alongside. Let's pray that if there's anyone in this room, maybe in a spiritual valley, Lord, that his presence would be known in a special way. Father, for those who are living in victory right now, Lord, encourage them with his presence too. Help us to know at a deep down experiential kind of level that we are not alone. There may be some in this room that hear this and say, wow, I've never trusted in Jesus, and I need that Holy Spirit that you're talking about. Father, I pray that you move in the hearts of those who are here, anyone that falls into that category, move them to see their need for a helper, to cry out to Jesus and trust in his sacrifice and his resurrection to make them right. Jesus, it's in your holy and awesome name we pray, amen. Amen.